Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. So we build mountain. Hey gang, today's guest is Jonathan Higgs, lead vocalist, rhythm guitarist, and keyboardist for the Manchester, England rock band, Everything Everything. Together, we take a deep dive into the writing, recording, and inspiration behind the hit single, Cold Reactor, taken from their 2024 album, Mountainhead. Jonathan explained that Mountainhead is a concept album, and that the lyrics to Cold Reactor are a direct tie-in to the rest of the record. The words are heavy, and heady, and his description behind the concept, it's way out there. Not gonna lie, I have a bit of lyric envy right now. How someone could come up with something so killer, yet so abstract. The production was handled by lead guitarist Alex Robershaw and sounds absolutely slamming. Jonathan's falsetto voice is so good. I mentioned to him that it sounds like another voice when he breaks into it. His placement and delivery is beyond unique. So for all this and a ton more, don't you dare touch that dial. Hey, hey, have you heard? Krista makes a podcast. Hey, hey, have you heard? Krista makes a podcast. Hey, hey, have you heard? Krista makes a podcast. Hey, hey, have you heard? Krista makes a podcast. Well, hey, John, how are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. I I, uh, thought that you would be maybe a little bit fatigued because you're in the middle of a new record cycle doing a bunch of a uh, bunch of press here but i'm gonna i did all the heavy lifting here and i hope you have right. i hope you have a good time i really appreciate you sitting in with us uh today thanks for having me it's it's a pleasure cool and i understand you recorded the latest album uh mountainhead uh which uh was just released march 1st you recorded it in stockport which my band is going to be there in what? one week no way you ever heard of uh the arc production studios there ark yeah 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 we'll be there doing uh production rehearsals for a couple oh, days no before way. we start is the that, tour. Um, yeah is that a week from where we really are right now or a week from uh, March 1st. <laughs> <laughs> That's a week from where we really are. So okay, yeah, your okay. record your record isn't out yet, but by yeah, the time yeah. this episode <laughs> everyone's listening, uh, the record the record's going to be out. Great. I understand it was it was produced by Alex uh, Robertshaw, which is your lead guitarist, That's keyboardist right. and, and backing vocalist along with Tom AD Fuller. And I couldn't find too much on Tom, but it looked like looks like he's more of an engineer maybe. He is and even more adding to that problem is the fact that there's actually kind of a well-known guy around his age who does that job called Tom Fuller. So he gets confused with him loads. And that's why he probably did the AD. Yeah, yeah, that's it. I was running across the other fella and I was like, wait a second, I, I, I was getting confused. Yeah, different but, guy. It's quite uh, annoying that. <laughs> right, right. And I, I want to talk about that as we as we get into the song about uh, having someone in your band produce, because mm. I've had that before. And uh, there there's uh, definitely pluses and definitely negatives to it sometimes. Yep. Sometimes you just want him to be the guitar player and not the producer. And you don't know who you're talking to. Absolutely. So. <laughs> yeah. 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 But uh, I got to tell you. 
for this podcast, we usually center around a song that is an iconic song from an artist's career. And your publicist had hit us up. Great. And, and Chris, my producer, said, you got to hear this song. And we have to preview this song. We're not going to look for another, you know, hit they had or spot, you know, Spotify. This is it. And, oh, great. You know, you guys are about 15 years into your career. Congratulations. Yep. This song's awesome. Thanks a lot. That's really, really nice to hear. I just before I came on today, I was thinking, I was looking at the description again. I was like, an iconic song. Do I have to choose this? And I was looking back through really old albums and I was thinking, I wish I could just talk about, you know, the new one, but surely that's not iconic yet. <laughs> well, I'll tell you something. You know, we've kind of stepped out here uh, on a number of episodes. It's been almost four years since we've been doing this. Cool. And we're up around 200 episodes now. And we've kind of stepped out and said, hey, we're going to take a chance on on maybe this lesser known artist. Not that you guys are necessarily lesser known. Because we feel like, hey, this and, and this song's a, a prime example. This song to me is a hit. I mean, I, I, I could hear this. <laughs> I'm going to be in the, in the UK soon. I could hear this uh, in the discos after the show. I could hear oh, this yeah. on, on the radio walking through the through the mall or, or wherever else. It's just uh, it's a really interesting tune too. Uh, the the arrangement is very different. And you know, I like to pick up a guitar and comb through the song. There's some really cool uh, really cool chord changes that you guys do in this track. So can you take us back? I mean, it wasn't that long ago. I'm assuming. Uh, do you remember no, it writing wasn't. it? Yes, <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't too long ago. Uh, I think I started out with. I had a beat going on my laptop and then I started out just with synths. I had that, this strange, I don't know how you describe it. It was almost like a sax kind of sound going just over and over again, like that. That's all I had. And then I got this other sound up and I had, and I thought, well, there's something about this feels a bit like a tannoy system, that sound. So I made it specifically try to make a sound that sounded like here's an announcement. So I had that little, do 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 do, which you hear uh-huh. in the intro. Well, not even in the intro. Yeah, it's in the intro. And I had that just running for ages, and just that wah wah do 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 do, and a beat. I was just listening over over, over and over to that, thinking well, this this could go in like a million ways. Loads of potential here, but it had a, it already had like quite an atmosphere. And then I think I probably just picked up a guitar or even a bass, <laughs> lowest of the low guitars, and uh, <laughs> just started playing a lot along with it. Dun 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 dun. dun. Um, super simple chords. Because I had this already had this great feel, and uh, and just singing over the top of that, and it, it pretty quickly I had a verse going, and then I started singing the what became the chorus, which is the much more complex bit, over the same the same chords, and I was thinking, well, this is this is great, but I feel like I need to I need a bridge, I need to separate these up so you don't just get fatigued from this same chord sequence because it. The, the chorus and the verse are the same. They are, but but it's exactly what you said. And man, I, I love songs like this that, you know, you look at it on paper, at least for the first, whatever, three quarters of the song, it's pretty much the same arrangement yeah. or, or same, same quarter arrangement. And it's the flourishes. It's the stuff that you're putting around it and mixing it in. And to the common listener, they don't hear that it's the same progression. No, they don't. They don't. And the vocal keeps changing and, and things come in and out too. And the dynamic changes, all these things kind of, feed into this is something else is happening even though harmonically it's actually not but you, uh-huh. but w- what you do get when you repeat to that extent is that you can really build tension which we did with the the double chorus originally I, th- I think I presented the song to the band as you as you would hear it so it was verse bridge chorus verse bridge chorus chorus like that all with the same chords 
and it, the whole song had this growing feeling. So by the time you got to the end of that second chorus, you just like, ah, really, really, <laughs> something has to happen with the just like feeling of going insane. You're reciting the notes here that I have during oh, this great. part, by the way, where it starts <laughs> to change. No, because it's it's so cool. Because you're so right. We'll get to it in a second. But everything everything you're saying, yeah, it uh, it had to have some changes. And the changes that you make, I mean, yeah. that, wa- that walk-up part that you do, like in the bridge where the mm-hmm. chords are, are walking. And uh, again, we'll, we'll get to it in a minute. But the band, aside from John, is rounded out by Jeremy Pritchard on bass, keys, and backing vocals, uh, Michael Spearman on drums and backing vocals, and Jonathan, uh, of course, is the lead vocalist, rhythm guitarist, also plays keys. Uh, and we talked about Alex Rubbershaw on lead guitar, keys and backing vocals who also produced the track did you do a demo of this song yes so i I presented that demo in uh not not a million miles away from what what got on the record i think the big change was i swapped out whatever i'd played in to sing along to chords wise for this uh female vocal patch that i found which is the ha 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 stuff Uh which immediately gives the song it's its identity is the very first thing you hear. Okay, well, I <laughs> I want to talk about that. So okay. real quick, I, in in the uh, and and you can't believe everything you read on the internet. You know this, John. But yep. it said that the new album produced uh, in Stockport, new album Mountainhead, entirely avoids plugins and effects. So well, is that I, true or no? That's not true. Okay. <laughs> there, I mean, there's. There, I was thinking. I was like, wow these these guys these guys I are think... running reverb chambers analog. Like, <laughs> yeah, <wow."> yeah. <laughs> no, it's that there's obviously loads of effects, particularly reverb and compression and everything. Okay, well, scratch that. I don't. That, that was. Uh, that, but that I think was ba- I think the plugins thing. No, I, I think there was a kernel of truth in it because I think probably it got lost in translation. But we didn't use certainly Alex didn't use in the production of it soft synths as much as he could handle he tried to use his modular synth setup so he was creating these synthetic sounds rather than just getting them from a bank of pre-made sounds i on the other hand just did do that because i'm i'm demoing and i'm just like well i want to hear that and i don't have a modular synth so it, i guess it got a bit mixed up in translation does he ever use his guitar to activate the synth well he was talking about this the other day in a similar uh, situation to this and he was saying that 90% of the sounds you hear are are probably a synth and a guitar playing. Yes. Whether okay. he's triggering with his guitar, I don't I don't think so. I think he did have a, a voltage uh trigger thing a while ago, but I think he just just didn't like using it for some reason. So but no, he's layering in his guitar a lot an awful lot. So you, you might think people keep coming up to us and saying, "Oh, what's happened to the guitar with you guys? Why is it just synths now?" And Alex's reply is always, "Well, actually there is a guitar there. You just doesn't sound like a guitar, um, which is apparently what you're meant to do is is get new sounds out of a guitar. And that's that's essentially what I was getting at because I'm going to be asking you a lot of questions when we, we start combing through this uh, this track because there's sounds here that are not only very different, but I can't tell if they're a guitar or a synth. Yeah. You know, it sounds very synth based. Are these drums all programmed? No, not at all. Uh, they're played. Not at all. Well, I don't think it's a question of not at all either. There probably is a, an element of programming in there but i seem to remember mike tracking the hats and and crashes and stuff we do we we do do it in quite a separate separate way so he'll do kicks and snares together which can sound quite unnatural 
and then he'll do a hat, you know, a hat pass, and then. Well, and then of 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 course you can take those drums and process them however you want. Yeah. But this sounds very looped. It's it's a ve- it's a very cool sound though. Yeah. I gotta ask about the bass. The bass is really punchy. Yeah. In your face, it's got this mid range, but uh, it almost sounds like a synth bass. Is that actual bass that's uh, w- was played? I think it might be a combination again. But the other thing Alex does a lot is he takes a an organic sound like a bass. Uh, stem and he'll put it through his modular and he'll use all of the dials and knobs to slightly attenuate that sound in a way that I love it it's slightly unusual and it makes you start to think maybe it's a synth but it's it's almost certainly not especially in this case because the bass sort of carries the song really well I want to I want to jump into this right now John it's three minutes and 51 seconds this intro is awesome I love it because it kind of throws you for a loop right off the top it's three bars total the first two bars are a staccato synth and these ah vocal pads that you were just talking yep. about and they sound strikingly real <laughs> yeah I think <laughs> and, they're and, samples I think they must be samples yeah, and I, I was like, whoa, those, those sound like real voices. And uh, these these voices are fluttering uh, left and right. They're panning back and forth. On bar three, the drums and the bass kick in. Uh, and on bar four, we hit verse one. So we built the mountain by digging out a mighty hole. So we built the mountain by digging an almighty hole. And on our backs, we carried every rock and stone. But now the hole is deeper than anybody ever planned. And we're blocking out the sun. Yeah. So the whole album has, well, it's called Mountainhead. And it has this overarching concept, a very simple one. It's sort of set in a alternative world, alternative universe even. And everybody in that world is obsessed with this one big idea, which is to build a huge mountain. Everybody's doing it. The mountain is bigger than anything you could ever imagine. But the only problem is the more they build it, they have to dig into the ground and they have to live in a deeper and a deeper hole in worse and worse conditions in order to make this mountain huge. That's the whole idea, just a mountain and a a big pit. And this song is laying it out. It's describing it. The, uh, across the record, there's lots of references, and it's much more nuanced and more subtle. But this is like, bam, here you are. I'm going to tell you the story about what we're doing here. There's no there's no subtlety to it. I literally just lay it out. It's interesting because, you know, I've, I've read this a ton. I've been combing through these, <laughs> these words, and I'm like, what is going on here? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it should give you a feeling of something... A bad situation, and what is this mountain all about? But and, and as the lyrics go on, obviously we're, we're getting in. It starts to show its itself a bit more in terms of the mood. I think. Well, the lyrics are great here, but and don't take this the wrong way. But you know, I probably listened to this song the first three or four times, and I wasn't listening to the words. Good. And I'm Good. a words. I'm a words lyric guy. I was just feeling the melody and 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 just letting the song take me where it wanted to take me. I got to tell you, you are known for your falsetto. 
But yes. I have never heard, and my listeners know I have falsetto envy. Okay, I can I okay. can do some backing vocals, falsetto envy, <laughs> but don't don't solo them. Okay, don't solo them. <laughs> right. I sound ridiculous. Your falsetto is is I've never heard anybody's quite like it in the sense that I feel like it's another voice. I feel like it's another band member doing those one words, and I have them all listed here. You, right. In the first verse, you only do it on the word backs. That's right. That's right. So Why? That- well, our whole career has been a trying to utilize my voice in a more sparing way, shall we say. The first album, I'm doing it an awful lot, and I wasn't it wasn't the nicest sound. And then I slowly got better at it, and I've more recently tried to use it less. And so that when I do do it, it's much more special rather than doing it continuously. I think that can get quite tiring to listen to sometimes. It's killer where you space that's, it out in this song. Yeah, I think that's another reason why it's people have liked this song is that it feels much more special when I do do it. I think that that note was just was just out of my range, so I had to jump there. Um, that backs whenever wherever it is. It wasn't deliberately trying to single out the word backs. I often when I first started singing, I would sing in my normal voice, and if I got to a note that was too high, I would just switch to falsetto for that note and come back down again on the next. <laughs> and I didn't think anything was weird about that. And but that's. But everyone was like, "What the fuck are you doing?" <laughs> Sorry, excuse my French. What are you doing? No, no, no. You're, let, let your let your let let, okay. let your French rip because I almost said it back to you. Like, what are you thinking? Like to me that to me that is so foreign. Yeah, okay. It's it's a, as, definitely as a, a, a rule breaker. Yeah, it's a, it's a rule. It's a, a breaking of the rules. Yeah. Um, and I would do that all the time in my early bands, and slowly my falsetto got better, um, and my ability to do this switch got very good because it was how I was singing all the time because I was like of course I am that I, I can't sing that note any other way and I want to um, and it slowly guess I guess once other people started to hear it that they became that became my sound and my thing but really that's just what I've always done yeah no you you, you got a killer style it's 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 really really different I, and and, and uh, I gotta ask when you're on the road have you ever lost your voice where like your lower voice is gone but you can hit the falsetto or or reverse you can't the hit reverse. the falsetto but you can hit the yeah. yeah the reverse has happened oh um there was one time i stayed up all night drinking whiskey with uh another band of course you did and uh <laughs> and then it came to the next day and i just couldn't sing falsetto and it's like maybe some bad you know some singers can get away with that but that's like 60 70 percent of my set is falsetto and another time we, we we went on a stage at a festival, I think in Spain, and they do everything late there. And I think our set time was 3 a.m. Oh. And my voice was just fucked and, it, and, and I couldn't. <laughs> I had to just leave out all the falsetto bits and it sounded ridiculous. <laughs> I'm laughing. I'm laughing, my friend, because I've been there and it yeah. sucks. I mean, we didn't care. It was 3 a.m. We were like, is anyone is anyone even watching this? <laughs> well, yeah, they're all they're, they're all uh, <laughs> pretty imbibed at that yeah. time, probably as well. Uh, on the line that we're talking about and on our backs, we carried every rock and stone. And there's that two note keyboard flourish that happens there yep. on the next line. The ah voices, they change patterns on the line than anybody ever planned. That two note keyboard flourish happens again. And on the last line, there's there's another synth sound panned off right that takes us into pre-chorus one. I believe in life and terror. You believe in killing time. By the fingertips, I'm hanging on. 
Well, yes. I think it was I was wanting to I'm speaking as if I'm one of these people in this in this crazy mountain world and I'm trying to demonstrate that it's not great living in the pit. So there's this sort of feeling of desperation that that swamps the album really. That's certainly what the fingertips line was about. Well, you say you believe in killing time. Is that they're killing time by digging that hole and just passing the time? It's more it's more like they've given up thinking about anything. And I'm trying to say I've got things on my mind, like life and death and, and beauty and, and horror and all these things. And the people around me are, they've resigned themselves to uh, punching the clock, you know, that kind of feeling. But everyone has, and it's not, it's not a slight on them. It's more like this is what we've all been co- like conditioned to to do is just be on this conveyor belt of life. Well, those ah voices are really busy here now, panned yeah, off are, to yeah. the right. <laughs> and we get these growly synth distorted stabs on each of the changing chords here in pre-chorus. One happens six times and every line here is sung falsetto. It's the only yes. time in the song that you get a block of, of falsetto. And uh, was it always that way? Was it that way on the demo? Yeah, or- yeah, it would have been. Um, what often happens when I demo is that I sing the whole song in falsetto and then I s- send it to the guys and they're like, John, can we just, for once, can you put it down <laughs> a few keys and, and try something else? <laughs> so that happens a lot. And I think this is a case where I preempted that and I sing, sang it down on purpose. But that, that needed to go. There needed to be a, a, a freshness for the bridge, so it stood out because you've just had it's the same chords, and you've just had a verse which is me singing quite low, and then it was like this. This feels like oh, is this the chorus? It's it certainly feels bright, and it's like no, 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 no. You wait. The chorus <laughs> yeah. is, is coming up. <laughs> it, it's coming. We got we got something else for you. I gotta yeah. ask you. Do you ever think you've been in the other room and your three bandmates are talking smack about your falsetto? Uh, I think. Probably over the last 15 years. Yeah, it's got a must have. <laughs> I love it. Well, chorus one, it's uh, right at the 39 second mark and uh, got a lot of lyrics here. I got to tell yeah, you. Yeah, I know. I know. For a chorus, you know, a lot of times you you want it to be a little more succinct, but absolutely. there's a lot going on here, but it works uh, effortlessly together. I, I absolutely love it. So Sorry, Satan, but I can't do this evil on my own. I haven't left the house in nearly 30,000 days. I sent you the image of a little yellow face to tell you that I'm sad about the emptiness that's all around me. And I can't stop the ringing in your ears when everything we love becomes a picture of a simulation. It wakes me in the middle of the night. I love you like an atom bomb, but I become a cold reactor. Yes, it sounds pretty. It sounds like a mouthful, doesn't it? Um, somehow that doesn't feel like that in the song. <laughs> it's awesome, man. It's I can't get the song out of my head. It's it's such a great Thanks. great pop track. Uh, what is going on? <laughs> well, it's it's a sort of you started out with sorry Satan, and then yeah. I don't even know I don't even know how many years thirty thousand days is. No, no, neither do I. Actually, I worked it out long after writing the song, and I think it's about eighty eighty something years, which thankfully is a, approximately a lifespan. 
So I'm uh, essentially yes, yes. saying I've never, I've never left the house. Um, <laughs> well, that line in particular, I, I, on the one hand, I'm saying something that sounds absurd, which is I've, I've never left the house, but I'm trying to incorporate this feeling of isolation that I feel have, happens to a lot of people who live in the West now. Um, and, and our lives can feel quite isolated and lonely. But also, we were coming off the back of the pandemic, and, I, and there's certainly a group of for whom that hasn't really ended. I think people have lost a big chunk of their sociability, and they are staying indoors still, and they are avoiding social life and things like this. And this is kind of like a shout-out to them, really. It's kind of like a re- I'm trying to relate it to that, as well as yeah. trying to, I'm trying to get this story of this mountain and the, and the pit involved as well. I think really this like the tumbling masses of words is is supposed to give you this sense of somebody who's really on the edge and they're about to lose it. There's something that, about having the simplicity of those just the three chords and it's the ones you've we've already given you a minute of. So you're like you feel pretty safe about the song and I think that gives me the freedom to actually splurge a million lyrics and this very complex little 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 little, little thing because you're you're feeling okay, you feel quite safe with the song. And then you're ready to accept that uh, detail. In the past, we would have maybe done all that detailed vocal and we would have had a really detailed guitar at the same time and we would have had his weird chords and we would have had a drummer playing all over the place and it would have been an absolute head fuck for anyone to listen to it. And yeah, people do like that about our band and we can do that stuff, but I wanted the message of this to really get across and I knew it was quite a lot to ask all this information this information dump so it's like we're going to streamline the music and allow this this space for for this insane person that's a perfect explanation and don't go starting your own songwriting podcast and rip me off here john (laughs) because i'm i rarely do i get guests on here that go that in depth and and kind of think like i'm thinking about it because i can separate myself i didn't write the song so i'm looking at it i'm looking at it from over here and i'm looking at it from a really detailed microscopic way but the way that you just described this chord, i couldn't have said it any better absolutely you're a minute in you're feeling those chords you're just letting the lyrics kind of take you and i think that's what happened the first three or four times before i centered in and zoned in on the yeah. lyrics that's what was happening to me I, I didn't care that it was busy lyrically exactly it's weird because i remember we when we uh we had all these songs written and then we were saying to the to our label like what do you think's a single and they were like well obviously cold reactor and we were like one of us particularly was like but it's kind of prog you could, that's not a chorus you can put on the radio <laughs> like that's, yeah usually you would you would simplify right out for a chorus, as you were saying earlier and this is like no we're actually tripling quadrupling the com- complexity that doesn't even rhyme you know it doesn't repeat yeah. itself it's insane and yet i know really like it yeah yeah that's that's the other thing you, you brought up the rhyme i didn't even think about no, that yeah rhyme. there's there, there's no rhyme scheme here. Well, we get uh, uh, the sorry Satan. We get a yes. falsetto. I sent you falsetto all around me, simulation, and a cold reactor. A lot of the same instrumentation carries over from verse one and pre-chorus one here. The Oz are doing an even different pattern here. And there's a three-note haunting guitar part. Sounds like it's crying kind of wailing panned yeah. off to the right running through the whole chorus and those are really the first real guitars that i hear in this is that yeah. correct uh i couldn't tell you because alex very much controls guitar land but i know that that's a guitar because i play that part live <laughs> okay, it's, okay it's simple enough for me to do while <laughs> singing all that complexity it's just din, din. 
Okay. Okay. Um, yeah. So yeah, I think it's. I think he he wrote that to give it this. Partly, you've got to give the vocal space, as I was saying, and so that and that really does a good job of that. But also making it quite legato and 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 reverby like that, it gives you instant sadness without, you know, it it immediately communicates to everyone listening like this is a, a sad sound. Like you said, it sounds like crying. You know. Yes. Just two, just two notes with a load of reverb, and it's like, oh right, this is like we're sitting back and if you if you didn't want that you would you would just have like ding, 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 or whatever but that it instantly gives you a, a melancholy over the top of the driving thing which is a really good trick without having to take the drums away or go half speed or anything like these these tricks it's just like no 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 this is sad but we're still driving towards the same destination Hey, everybody, don't go anywhere. We got lots more with John Higgs coming right up after a few words from our sponsors. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, We've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. One Hit Thunder is a podcast where we both celebrate and have a good laugh about bands and artists that had just one hit that we all know. Each week, we're joined by a guest from the world of music or comedy to learn more than you ever thought you would about some songs that you can't forget. And we decide if they brought the One Hit Thunder or nothing more than a one hit blunder. Look, if you listen to the show, you're probably going to laugh, and I guarantee you're going to crush next time the bar has music trivia. Tag Team, Jane Child, Meredith Brooks, Looking Glass, Sean Mullins, Eiffel 65, EMF, Crash Test Dummies, Crazy Town, Chumbawamba. We have hundreds of episodes in our back catalog and a new episode each week. So pass the duchy, make sure you're connected, and subscribe to One Hit Thunder wherever you get your pods. And he was looking at another picture of a man who that looking at a picture of a man who that looking at a picture of a picture of a man who And now, back to the show. Right after chorus one, we go into a two-bar re-intro. Uh, right at the end of it, a loud synth part, panned off right, uh, noticeably louder, drives us into verse two. So doctor supermarket, some of us stayed in the pit. So dark, the supermarket. Some of us stayed in the pit because it felt so comfortable to dwell below. We made the mountain bigger, though we had forgotten why. It's a dream. I'm in with you. Yeah. So I guess I'm I'm trying to in- introduce a humanity to. It's all very well having a concept and and having these ideas, but you need a human in the middle of it, or no one will care. Um, and obviously the, the chorus is, is quite a desperate guy and I've got the, the hanging on by the fingertips, but I really wanted to put in, uh, this, I, it's a dream I'm in with you as if I'm, as if none of it matters as long as I've got you. And it's only a very small reference to there being another person or a significant other, 
but it's suddenly you get the sense that there are individuals in this bizarre, not very nice place I've just dis- uh, described that are joining together and trying to find their way through it because um, they've got each other. You know, there's there's, there's a like a love story, but it's I've do I've done it with one half of one line rather than writing a whole song about it. It's just like, by the way, I've got you, so I'm that's just why I'm still here, kind of thing. Okay, what what is the supermarket referring to? So, well, I try to because I've got this concept of, for the record, and it's it's roughly me talking about capitalism or late stage capitalism, however you want to phrase it. That's that's kind of what this mountain is, and the pit is kind of the toll that that leaves on us as humans, be it psychologically or even physically. And uh, I wanted to put any reference to buying or selling or commerce or money into every song so that you just, whether you know it or not, you have this feeling of of uh, the flow of, of finance because that's really what I'm talking about. So the supermarket is the obvious place, the sort of soulless consumption area. And I also really like this Clash song, Lost in the Supermarket, that I've known for a million <laughs> years. And I just felt like a very, very subtle reference to that. So Dark Supermarket. Yeah, I wanted it. I wanted to give a reason why people might put up with the pit as well. So I, this is why I had the, this line about some of us stayed in the pit because it felt so comfortable down there. You've got your comforts in the in the life the lives we lead now. You've got your sure your TV channels and you know and you've got people who come to your door and give you food and all this stuff, but it doesn't account for human happiness so i wanted this this sensation that the the pit people some of the people stayed in the pit because it was like yeah this is this is great we've got everything we need but it's like no you're still in a pit though (laughs) yeah when i get comfortable i i get bored yeah i don't like to be comfortable you know i like to have a a, a little distraction yeah yeah a little little bit of underlying tension to 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 keep me going i know it kind of sounds weird verse two we get a uh, falsetto on the word felt and we also get in this one. This is the weird one. This is my favorite. On the word forgotten, you don't do falsetto on four. It's just on gotten, the back half of the word. It yeah. is so different. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, the melody, the way I've forgotten why. It was just, I could have gone, the way I've forgotten why. You know, it would have been, <laughs> I would have been really pushing to get that higher note. And it, it wasn't about, that being a rock guy it would have it's sad we've forgotten why we're building this mountain and, and so to, to to leave it as falsetto it was one way a practical way of me achieving that note as a singer but also it keeps the vocal from becoming too aggressive and too insistent on itself because it's, it's not me being triumphant about the fact that we've forgotten it's it's me saying i don't know what we're doing we've forgotten why we're even doing this and falsetto has a, is another instant sadness Thing. I love the falsetto because it's uh, you don't know when it's coming. It's unpredictable here. <laughs> yeah. Verse two, a, a lot of the same basic instrumentation as verse one, but there's a new, I'm calling it a dreamy synth that comes in here on the back half of verse two. Then we get into pre-chorus two, which again, all the vocals here are sung in falsetto, but we get new lyrics. With you. In the night, the sword is hanging far above the head of man. 
Can you see the steel is glittering? Yeah, I think I've read something about, is it the Sword of Damocles or something? And it was, I think it probably was that. It was some kind of mythical sword. I, I don't know what it was. I really wanted to talk about a sword in that second verse. Second bridge, it felt like I felt like <laughs> I have to get a sword in here. Yeah, it did. I, I can't explain why, but I, sometimes I feel with my lyrics, if I give, if I feel as though I've given the audience enough, uh, very palatable, easily digestible stuff, like one of these verses, which is like quite simple words telling you a story, then I feel as though I can, I've got a bit of play area to put in some more poetic stuff. And I'm like, I'll give you the simple verse. The bridge is for me. I'm going to be as poetic as I want. And then the chorus is a different thing. Um, so I think I was like, I really want to get the idea of something hanging over everybody, like it might fall at any time and kill you. And I, I think there is, I think the Sword of Damocles is, is that thing. And I'd come across it at just this kind of foreboding nature. I wanted to make the song feel, I wanted to, to demonstrate the power of this mountain idea to give it a doomy vibe. So I'm just describing literally everyone feels like everything's about to collapse. That's what I'm going for with this big sword thing. But it also paints a very nice poetic image, which pleases the pleases me. And it sort of feels, doesn't feel out of place. If the whole song was like that, I would just be describing a sort of fantasy world, you know, a Lord of the Rings type thing. And it wouldn't, it wouldn't <laughs> do what it's meant to do. Yeah, I got to tell you, these this next chorus, it, it sent me for a loop because... <laughs> Not only do we have the the regular chorus lyrics, but now yeah. we got a whole two other two other sets of lyrics. This is a double chorus here with yeah. new lyrics on the back half. Same falsetto uh, spots on this first half. Sorry, Satan, I sent you all around me. Simulation and cold reactor. We get all of those again. Uh, but there's some interesting things here. Up until this point in the song, there's no true harmonies. But I'm hearing the most subtle harmony on Sorry, Satan. And then, yeah. of course, on All Around Me, it's the first time that the backing vocals are left and right panned. And it's just a totally different feel that comes in on all around me right there. I, I love it. I think when I first presented the demo, I had every chorus. I was doing backing vocals on every, through the whole thing. So it would be all around me. And I was probably even singing the uh, a, a line that went with the as well, which as you can tell just from my description is too much information. And this was another example of, just because we can do it doesn't mean we should. And and Alex was like, no, we'll take the backing vocals completely out of the first chorus because there's enough information there to be getting on with for everybody. And then we'll introduce them in the second chorus, well, the second half of the second chorus. I don't even know. <laughs> yeah. 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 And then, even half. then it wasn't on every, it wasn't, it's still not even on every 
falsetto. We we actually talked about this for ages. We scooped out even half of those, so it doesn't do it on every one. It does it on every other one or something like this. I think it's just being sparing with it because it's so tempting to just just go. Yeah, we'll put them on every single one, and it'll be like the biggest chorus you've ever heard. I think it'll it tires people out, and it it just sounds less. And the way you do it, I'm telling you, sound like two people. Alex and Jez are singing the the backing vocals at this point. But yeah, my falsetto sounds like another person anyway. So yeah, you've got this feeling that there's suddenly this uh, choir comes in. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's re- it's really cool. Well, the back half lyrics, I'm going to read these and uh, you can enlighten us once again with this, uh, this insane sure. uh, idea that you're running with here, which is so cool. And maybe I'll go missing in the rain. If God is in the mountain, he won't answer me a single question. Like, why does everybody feel the same? The slow degeneration and the crying out, oh Lord, have mercy. Just look into my jet electric eyes and see a blue reflection of a world inside a black dimension. It wakes me in the middle of the night. I love you like an atom bomb, but I become a cold reactor. I love the descriptors here. Thanks. Again, I've given given myself uh, a little leeway to be more poetic in the towards the end of the song because I feel like my job is done with the messaging and I'm like I'm gonna have some fun with this jet electric I'm gonna make up some words you know I'm gonna (laughs) paint a real image yeah so this idea of being a cold reactor I don't think I explained it before so there's there's a line about how I sent you a an image of a little yellow face to tell you how I feel and this is supposed to be an emoji and it's meant to be people sat in their individual isolation and just sending these little pictures of emotions to each other and when I say I'm a cold reactor, I, what I mean is I'm not really reacting. I'm just pressing send and, and, and I'm void of feeling. That's what I mean by cold reactor. Wow. But the, the fact that I put um, I love you like an atom bomb right, next, right up next to that line makes everybody think that the reactor has something to do with a nuclear reactor, which is really fun ah. bit of wordplay. When really it's, I just, I just wanted a way of explaining that I really love you, but... I'm this world we're in makes my feelings just cold. Just I'm just not really here. I'm just sat in my in the dark pressing my emojis. I love it. I love it. Well on the back half here, that distorted synth joins us yet again sporadically on the back half. Uh and on the turnaround, uh it, it gets really busy uh on the last stanza of the song. We get falsetto on single question, Lord have mercy, black dimension, and cold reactor. On Lord Have Mercy, the backing vocals are there again, pan left and right, but they're yeah. not as featured. They're not as featured as the last time. Oh, <laughs> okay. I don't know why that would be. I mean, it could be something that Alex did. It might be uh, Chenzo who mixed its decision. Well, he might have felt that it was a little too much because yeah, there was maybe. still another another quarter of the chorus to go or something. I don't know. I thought that was interesting. Yeah. It doesn't bother me. It doesn't make me go, oh, it, it ruined the song. It's just, yeah, yeah, it's it's cool. When I first presented the song to the band, it, it got to the end of that second chorus and then the song just stopped just like that. It was like you were leading towards this something was going to happen and then that was like, no that's the end and the guys were like let's make it a bit longer but it need it does need a change so alex actually wrote the outro chords and then he took my vocal and put them over that and this and the reharmonization gives it a much sadder feeling and so if, rather than kind of taking the song which already had all this energy rather than like trying to make it even more bombastic we were like we're actually going to chill out the end as if the sad elements of it have kind of won out. Like he, this guy's not 
doesn't matter how angry he's got, he's kind of resigned to it at the end. So that's why you get like a sort of plateau at the end rather than like an absolutely let's fucking go feeling. It's more like a, we sadly go down to sleep. <laughs> yeah, no, the way this song ends is killer. You know, you've you've summed this up perfectly. You touched on this before, but, you know, the chord progression after the line, oh, Lord, have mercy, it switches briefly to this A yes. minor. And that, yeah. a, that A minor, that know, that cool. right there, you're talking about that <laughs> sadness. You, yeah. That just tugs at my heartstrings. And I had to rewind it. That was the first time I listened to the song. I had to go, oh, it changed it. What was that? Yeah, that was it's the first time, you know, and the first it, time the chords have changed for the whole song. And so it really takes you by surprise. It's a bit, it works perfectly. It's not out of key. It's jarring with what you're singing, though, at yeah. first. When you first hear it, it's yeah, like, yeah. whoa, you know, it, uh, but it's needed in order to get this chorus with this much information and in, in words uh, to, to be that long. Uh, right after chorus two, it's a six bar musical interlude, just a swirling synth and buried staccato keys, uh, buried, uh, you know, a little bit uh, tucked in the mix there before the bridge vocal begins. Now you're going to see what's underneath. Oh, yes. I'm sorry, Satan. Yes, that's me at like the most vulnerable, but it's also kind of like the moment in the film where the hero is at his most beaten and then he's like, I'm going to kick your ass now. And it's got this real potential. It's now you're going to see what's underneath. And there's no explanation in the song for what that means. It's more like it's time to get even kind of moment, which felt appropriate uh, somehow at the time. But then he doesn't really, he doesn't really come back. He sort of goes, uh, (laughs) after this. (laughs) Well, it's funny you say, uh, after this, because it's really interesting how this bridge leads into chorus three. You don't feel chorus three coming. No. You know, like usually like there'll be this build up and like yeah, the, yeah. the drums will go to like a tom and a floor time and like, oh, obviously the chorus is coming. The transition here is trippy. It, it still almost doesn't make sense to me. I'm like, how did we go from this part? Oh, oh, wait, we're in a chorus, but <laughs> we'll get there in a second. That chorus changes too. And that's what adds a whole different element. Yes. This is the section that Alex wrote. So this is when he's reharmonized what I've done. Because often I'll present a demo like this and I'll give him the the, the files. And he's not going to sing on it. So he usually grabs a bit of what I've already sung and tries to make some different things happen around it. Or he might cut up what I've done. That's just a bit of a technique he uses often. And uh, he just picked up my vocal, my chorus vocal, and had these much sadder, weirder chords underneath it. Which is why when it appears, you don't really expect it. And it doesn't have the sorry Satan either. It just has this... I know, maybe it does. But it just has this... uh, You feel like you recognize it, but you're in a new place... And it's all a bit sadder and it's all moved on a bit from that tension. It's kind of like a, a much more resigned display of the same thing. Well, and if anything, by the time you get to chorus three, that's when you're going to do a double or a quadruple chorus or something. But that's here, what you would normally do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but here we just get one stanza, but you do a combo, you do a, yes. uh, a hybrid. A 
again, only one chorus here, uh, a couple of new chord changes, and on the last line here, uh, we get falsetto on Sorry Satan and on Simulation, but we don't get the falsetto on Cold Reactor this time. What was the thought behind that? I think originally it was I'd finished the song uh, in a sort of really deflated sort of a cold reactor, just like I'm done with it. And I think they encouraged me to sing it properly, but we still wanted this feeling of um, resignation rather than triumph. And having three people sing it, especially in <laughs> falsetto, it just feels like, yeah. And we didn't want to feel like, yeah, we wanted to feel like, okay, it's sad. A little more melancholy, morose. Yeah, and it also, it, it, it rounds it off. I think having the BVs in there would have made it feel like, why don't we go again? It was more like, no, we're done kind of thing. Immediately after this, and, and again, we only get a, a quarter, essentially, of the chorus. We go into a 16-bar outro. The band continues on as the synth part seems to get a little, I, I wrote schizophrenic here. It's like kind of yeah. doing its doing its own thing and kind of sticking out in spots that yeah. it didn't really stick out before in the song. It's mixed pretty loud here. Really sets it apart from the rest of the track. we get 12 bars of like a church organ panned off right. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, we do. It kind of just ends like, yeah. it's awesome. It's awesome. But, but how did that come about? I think the, the synth going crazy. That's probably, you know, how I was talking about, I, I gave myself a playground to be more expressive in the lyric. I think that that section is, is Alex's production playground. So it's like, we've, we've done the song. Yeah. We've, we've fulfilled our brief. Like here's a bit where you can do some cool production stuff. Um, so God knows what's actually happening there. This will be a synth that he's made and he's making it do something groundbreaking, I'm sure, but I don't know what it is. It sounds cool. And uh, yeah, quite often you you find if you're making a song on a laptop, obviously, so this is talking about the very end here, like it, you, you might find that you, you think, right, we'll, we'll end the song here and you might mute the drums and bass and you, because you've got 20 tracks, one of the synths keeps going and it's going to keep repeating and you're like, oh, that's kind of, that's kind of a plaintiff sort of vibe there. If everyone leaves, but he's just carrying on on his organ and it would have happened by accident. And we would have all gone, Oh, that's, that's a really nice, sad way of ending it. <laughs> we'll just fade him out. We don't even, he never even ends. He's just like, he's still going, he's still up there. Yeah. Or he's down there in the pit, you know, uh, it's just a, another trick to, to communicate a melancholy um, rather than me saying, I am sad with reverb on. It's kind of like, no, there's just this feeling of being left alone in the dark. I love the sound. This song is is awesome, and I really want to thank you for for sitting in and taking the time to to be on the show today. Yeah, it's just been great. Uh, the new record, uh, Mountainhead, out March first. And uh, anything else going on with the band you like to talk about? Yeah, we're, we're we're touring. We hopefully coming back to America, but I couldn't say when. We're going to Australia, going all around the UK, and and maybe a bit of Europe too. So come and see us. Awesome, John. Best of luck to you and the band. And, and once again, thank you. Thank you. This has been great. Call the cops and tell them what I want. My battery's 
Hey, everybody. One more time. Don't forget to check out Everything Everything's Mountainhead out March 1st, 2024. But in the meantime, don't go anywhere. We got lots more Chris to make some podcasts coming right up after a few words from our sponsors. One Hit Thunder is a podcast where we both celebrate and have a good laugh about bands and artists that had just one hit that we all know. Each week, we're joined by a guest from the world of music or comedy to learn more than you ever thought you would about some songs that you can't forget. And we decide if they brought the one-hit thunder or nothing more than a one-hit blunder. Look, if you listen to the show, you're probably going to laugh, and I guarantee you're going to crush next time the bar has music trivia. Tag Team, Jane Child, Meredith Brooks, Looking Glass, Sean Mullins, Eiffel 65, EMF, Crash Test Dummies, Crazy Town, Chumbawamba. We have hundreds of episodes in our back catalog and a new episode each week. So pass the duchy, make sure you're connected, and subscribe to One Hit Thunder wherever you get your pods. As we near the end of the show, here's a band you might not know. Welcome to this week's Band You Might Not Know. If you'd like your band to be considered for Krista Makes a Podcast, email your best song and a short bio to bandyoumightnotknow at gmail.com. This week's featured artist is Cora Monroe, an indie shoegaze band from Western Massachusetts, featuring Bill Tolan on vocals and guitar, Jason Roy on drums, Darren Mizalowski on bass and backing vocals, and R.D. Blakesley on guitar. Here's a snippet of their song, Angel Dress. Chris and Chris. So Chris, this is a perfect example of me being so glad that we started this podcast four years ago, because if we didn't, I might not know about the band Everything Everything, and man, oh man, am I glad that I do know about them, because this band is awesome. Yeah, I went ahead, and and uh, this came through email from their publicist. I listened to the trial, I was like, whoa, I think this is awesome. I really think Chris is going to like this. And I forwarded it to you and, yeah. and you got right back to me like, this is great. We should try to get these guys on. Uh, what a great song. Yeah. I sent it to my buddy, Steve. I knew Steve would like it. And he, he, he of course, did too. I know who's going to like what. You start to know who's going to like what among your friends. And I think that's what you meant about me too. Yeah. And, and Chris, real, real, real quick, I, I got to ask you, okay, how many episodes have we done now? Whatever, 200. I've never, you know, stopped talking to a guest and been wondering about the lyrics as much as I still am. Do you fully know what's going on here concept-wise? <laughs> yeah, kind of. And, and I don't I mean that I in mean... a bad way. I love abstract lyrics, but man, John's on a tangent here. Well, I think I need to hear the rest of the album. And I'm a melody guy. And I know you said that maybe you're a lyric guy a little bit. Like I can just get engrossed in the music and kind of attribute my own meaning to whatever I'm hearing. Yeah. But... Yeah, have you ever heard such a unique concept for a concept album? I mean, this is a concept album, right? It is, and I didn't, you know, get to. I didn't want to make make him think I was patronizing him or anything. But it was, uh, you've heard me say this before. I'll have like lyric envy. It's like, how did you come up with this? I mean, I I don't know if there's anything I could even take that would make my brain go this way. 
<laughs> you know, it's very abstract. He said it, and I wouldn't necessarily say it based on the way that their music sounds, but he used the word, man, Prague. He said yeah. it at one point, yeah. and you get those sort of Prague vibes from this in a way. This sounds like something that, yes, would write an album about, like, we wrote this album about these people digging this pit. I could see mm-hmm. that, you know? For sure. And, you know, I've talked about this, and a lot of times I'm not a keyboard player at all, but I'll write on the keyboard sometimes. I'll just go because because I don't know, I'll write some weird chord and I'll have to fi- figure it out on guitar. And sounds like that's what happened with this track. He was just had this loop going of this one sound. And sometimes that's all it takes for inspiration is, is one sound uh, to, to get in your head. And uh, and next thing you know, you have, you have a song. Yeah, that little spark of inspiration. He was talking about using that, that patch of the female voice yeah. that inspired him. Yeah, why not be in that could inspire anyone to write a whole song based around that. And speaking of voice, have you ever heard anyone use the falsetto the way that John uses it? He uses it in such, I'll use the word again, he uses it in such a unique way that it hooks me into the band. It grabs my attention. It does. And and I don't know, maybe it could have been an accident. That one word, forgotten, where he just does falsetto on gotten, not on fur, not the first part of the word. And, uh, he was kind of like, yeah, I probably did it this way. I could have done it that way. But yeah, so unique. And I'll say it again. It sounds like it's a different voice, which is so cool to be able to do that. He's such a heady guy that when you asked him earlier in the episode, why did you just go to falsetto on the word backs? <laughs> I thought he was going to be like, wow, you caught that. That's because of this. But he was more just like, no, that's just where, you know, just where I went there. But I could have seen him being like, there's a reason I highlighted that word. And who knows, maybe there is, and he's still keeping it a secret. Um, I really liked when he said that, I believe the way he put it was the tumbling mountain of words giving you the feeling of someone on the edge. It is a very wordy chorus. I love songs with tons of lyrics. I'm always striving to write those sort of songs. I'm always striving to write It's the End of the World as we know it. You (laughs) know what I mean? Like those songs where the fact that there are so many words and they sort of tumble out of the mouth makes it so catchy. He so effortlessly was able to do that in this song. I, I I think it's amazing. Yeah, and uh, their lead guitarist, Alex uh, Robertshaw, who produced the record. Let's talk about that for a second. I mean, it, the production's killer. It sounds awesome. I, I was I, I always use my car as the test. I cranked it up yesterday driving. I mean, I, it was on it was on eleven, and it just everything sounds great. It's pretty cool when you have the producer in house in the band, you know. And uh, yeah, sometimes you do want that outside perspective, but uh, whatever they're doing is definitely working. And uh, Chris, the one thing that I wanted to to say as well was I looked a little further into the Sword of Damocles ah. that he brought up, and I thought it was so cool. Go to the Wikipedia of the Sword of Damocles. <laughs> you will find that that symbol is also used a lot in modern hip-hop as an allusion to, like, you know, someone being the king of the rappers and being faced with someone trying to dethrone them or whatever as king of the rappers but it's an allusion to an imminent and ever-present peril faced by those in positions of power uh there's this you can go read about it it's it's basically someone who wasn't king who the king let him trade places with him for a day so while 
the guy was that king for a day. He was getting all the spoils of being king and being all the luxuries of being king. But right above him was a sword that was being held by a single horse hair above his head. Meaning it's, it's kind of like at any moment someone trying to cut your head off when you're the king. So so that guy who was there was like, no, I'd rather not be king. Okay. <laughs> you know what I mean? That, that's that's what's going on. Uh, maybe so. that's our next yeah. po- Chris Democles a podcast. It's the next one. Yeah. <laughs> Chris <laughs> Democles a podcast. <laughs> well, uh, hey, we have a uh, supporting cast here. It's at ChrisDemakes.com where you get bonus episodes each week of Chris and I talking at you even more than we already do. We know you love it. ChrisDemakes.com. Head over there and sign up and give us a follow on Instagram. Krista Makes a Podcast has an Instagram page. Krista Fallius, my trusty producer and confidant, puts up tons of killer footage to go over and check it out and uh, give us a follow over there. want to thank this week's guest, Mr. Jonathan Higgs from Everything Everything for sitting in and we'll see you next week. Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See what makes Minnesota the star of the North. New residents share why they love calling it home at exploreminnesota.com slash live. This is the story of Whitney Houston. This is the story of Kurt Cobain. Of George Michael, of Otis Redding, of Amy Winehouse, of Michael Hutchins, Bob Marley. This is the story of Prince. It's a new podcast series. About how they died, why they died, and why we're still talking about them so long after. It's like nothing you've ever heard before. It's storytelling. But it's more than that, because rock stars... They tell us how we feel. They change our mood. They change the clothes we wear, the people we hang out with. The way we remember things. It's them who give us those ludicrous moments, the ones where you're... Jumping around, singing your heart out, feeling understood. And it's those moments we'll help you remember, the ones you're thinking about right now. That feeling. That feeling. It's coming soon from Crowd Network. Just search for Death of a Rockstar on your podcast app. And subscribe now.